morning, everyone. It is Friday, the 24th of June, end of another big week. Henry, what happened overnight for us, please? Thanks, Ben. Well, a positive session in the Dow and S&P 500, which was good to see. Not a lot of volatility, not a lot of volume again, but it was the last day of Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell's testimony on the Hill. Once again, he was stressing the fight against inflation is the primary fight. The Dow was up 194 points or 0.6 of a percent. The Nasdaq up 1.6% doing pretty well. And the S&P 500 up just around 1%. But it was a tale of two cities, as they say, the best of times and the worst of times and the worst of times very much in base metals. Last night, we did see copper at a 16-month low down 4%. We saw tonne as well, my favorite, tin down 9.7%. Tin is used in circuit boards as a replacement for lead solder. It's a thinly traded metal, but it is also quite important in the big scheme of things. Gold was pretty much unchanged, down half percent, but the oil price is coming off. And it's interesting to note as the oil price comes off, the US market is going up, which I guess is showing that we are seeing the the inflationary pressures coming off a tad. Oil was down one and a half percent. And we have had some big moves in bonds as well, not least in our bond market today, which has had a big, big move. Our rates down to 3.72%, which is a long way from the 4.2% that it was only a couple of weeks ago. So that is a factor. The recessionary talk well and truly affecting yields at the moment and affecting commodities, that's for sure. So we did see some big falls in some of the overseas miners. And US banks passed the stress test. 33 US banks managed to pass the stress test that the Federal Reserve ran. So that was some positive news as well. Buy was down eight. And we're actually, as we speak, as we go to record this, the market's down eight as well. Pretty wishy-washy kind of day again. That's it. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. Tom, anything happening under the surface in our market? Thank you, Ben. Yes, our market treading water a bit on track for a negative week. Tech and healthcare names are outperforming in a rare change of pace. Energy and miners under pressure. We do have lithium names bucking the trend. So there is a small risk on sentiment to the session today. Big four banks all weaker. Betmakers up 18% after announcing a 10% on market share buyback. Vulcan Energy up 24% after an investment from a European car maker. And onto broker stuff, filling in for Leighton, who's at a wedding today. Appen is up 5% on a broker upgrade and Rio Tinto is sliding on a broker downgrade. And just adding on to the broker stuff there, Tom, and also just acknowledging and apologizing for the how the uh, office dog making a little bit of noise in the background there. Goldman Sachs was out this morning, just noting a few companies with a PE that is more than 15% below their 20-year average. So just saying on a PE basis, these companies are looking cheap, I suppose. So that list includes A2 Milk, A2M, Aristocrat Leisure, ALL, ARB, ARB, Blackmores, which is BKL, Breville Group, BRG, Domain Holdings, DHG, AML Payments, AML, Pinnacle Investments, PNI, and Reese, REH. Interesting, though, a lot of them are in the consumer discretionary space. I think there's reason why their PEs are quite low at the moment. But yes, as, exactly. as Marcus, you said this morning, there is a price for everything. So it might be getting that point with some of them. And just finishing off with Philip Lowe is speaking at a panel discussion today. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. If there's anything exciting 
exciting. Next week, I'll just signpost some events. We do have some G7 meetings happening. Ministers from and central bankers from Canada, Italy, France, Germany, Japan, and the UK and the US will be attending. We do have an ECB forum on central banking in Portugal with the Fed Bank of England and ECB heads all speaking. A pretty quiet week on the economic front apart from those central bank speeches. And we have US earnings season starting soon in mid-July. Also a lot of REITs trading ex-dividend or distribution next week. And we have a Eurozone CPI number. Otherwise, it's a pretty quiet week, really. Yeah. I think the focus has gone to the US CPI number, which is something like July 17 or something like that. But that seems to be the next big number. We do have one inflation number from the US. It's the PCE number out next week. So that is another look into the inflation narrative. Yeah. And that's the one the Fed, they tell us they take notice. They've told us they take it a little more seriously. Very nice. Thank you, Tom. We might turn to the fresh ideas section now. And Chris, I'll kick off with you. There's a few contributors here, but your chart of the day, please. Thank you, Ben. Yes, just leveraging the conversation you and Tom were just having about looking for stocks that are cheap and are offering compelling value. Now, uh, most of you would know me as a trend following guy. There's no trend to follow at the moment. As we well know, I think on the 3MA buy signals this morning, there was one solitary stock and there was a fistful of uh, sell signals. So another one of the scans that I run is looking for stocks that are extremely oversold. So we know RSI normally oversold is 30. Extremely oversold for me anyway, is when an RSI gets down towards 20. And the chart of the day that has that particular indicator at 20, the RSI is seven group, stock code SVW. So that's the technical condition that I was looking for. And then I've gone and investigated the stock. They recently had an investor day where they reiterated their financial year 22 EBIT growth guidance of eight to 10%. Surprised the market a little bit because everyone was expecting that their Westrack and Coates business units were struggling, but that certainly appears to not be the case. So in the case of Coates Hire, the infrastructure projects that are you know prevalent throughout Australia at the moment, Victoria, we've got the big build going on in New South Wales just a couple of days ago, they were talking about a record $113 billion pipeline of projects. That's been a boon for Coates. Westrack, which of course is the Caterpillar dealer, uh, has also been well supported by demand for mining fleet rebuilds with the mining activity that has been going on. They do own two thirds of Borrell and that was recently downgraded. But as I said, they came out and reiterated that guidance. So seemingly everything is still going okay and are expected to report quite well. The brokers liking this one, uh, all with buy or outperform ratings. Uh, some of the target prices are a little bit dated because the share price has been hammered. Target prices are 60 to 70% above the current market price. But I've also had a look at the financials as well. So the return on equity is 16%. Anything getting up towards 20% is exceptional. It's not an overly demanding PE. It's only 10.4 times one year forward earnings and you get a gross yield of 4% just for sitting in it. So this is another one of those situations where I think you're being provided with an opportunity to buy what is a really good stock at a pretty good price. Probably need to see some momentum, probably need to see the share price tick up a little bit, back up through $16.50 or $17. But if it does that, this could be one that would be worth having a look at. It's also seen as a bit of a proxy for or more geared proxy into the resources sector. So when the resources sector finds a bottom, it's a sort of stock that will come off the bottom as well. But yeah, amazing brokers with target prices 67% above the current share price, PE of 10 times, you don't see that very often, and fairly stable earnings and stable ROE. So, uh, but clearly catching the knife at the moment. So certainly also has the exposure to China through the Caterpillar thing. And we've seen President 
President Xi talking about Chinese growth being as they forecast. So I don't know quite how they're going to get there, but that's what he said yesterday, which did help the iron ore price. So there's another positive there for Seven Group. Nice stuff. Tom, you've got an idea as well? Yeah, so Qantas had a market update this morning. Didn't offer too many surprises. Sees underlying EBITDA for the second half in positive territory, which is good, but that is still unchanged from prior guidance. The share price has just ticked back up into the bottom half of its range and uh, is actually surprisingly still a little bit positive, although the main trend is sideways. Brokers like it, the average target price 36% above the current share price. But the main observations that I have is while covering travel has happened faster than most anticipated and underlying profitability is likely to return next year, the broader environment is still not really good for travel and companies exposed to that discretionary spending side of things. So the slowing growth, slowing global growth, the weaker Aussie dollar, also bad for international travel. Oil price coming down is one good thing, but I don't think you really want to be jumping into a company like Qantas just yet. Very nice. Thank you, Tom. And I've put in an idea with the Lottery Corporation, which is the spin out of Tabcorp, the nice shiny division, according to most brokers. It's been live for a month now. And while the market's fallen 8.5%, it is fallen only two and a half, which does show the defensive nature of it. It technically is a consumer discretionary, but studies have shown that lottery consumption is essentially recession proof, which does make sense if you think about it, because if you're a lottery ticket buyer and you're worried about money, you're going to you know, keep holding onto that dream pretty tight. So the brokers all like it. Uh, it's all variations of a buy or an outperform with price targets 10 to 20% above. It's early days, but while you know Chris has been speaking recently about the value being put on quality revenues and the flight to safety, and it does definitely tick that box. So been pretty reasonable as a defensive play there. Just question for you. Yes, Henry. The alternative, I guess, to play that side of things is through Jumbo Interactive. Yep. Which, yeah, they're which the other. Three and a half percent today. So they, they are the online part of TLC, I guess, the Lottery Corp. So Jumbo Interactive has fallen from around 20 bucks, 14 and a half dollars. And if you look at the chart, it is looking like it has found a bit of a bottom for those people bottom picking. So maybe worth having a look at Jumbo as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I did notice also in the, the study I was reading, it noted that not all gaming revenues are recession proof. It's particularly lotteries, the casinos and, and sports betting, those other ones, they do get affected by downturns in the economy, but lotteries seem to be very resilient. So interesting stuff there. Henry, stay with you and for Henry's take today. Yes. Hi, thanks for that, Ben. Just in my stuff today, just contemplating the state of the world, especially with lithium stocks being so on the nose at the moment. It's been no secret that I have had a bit of a love affair with lithium, which has been nasty to say the least. But there are signs, I guess, today that we are seeing a little bit of a recovery. Vulcan is up 24%, having done a deal with Stellantis, which is the one of the major European car manufacturers of uh, the likes of Peugeot, etc. So um, that is a pretty positive for the sector. We also saw a very positive move from Pilbara yesterday in terms of the pricing they got at their BMX Bandit auction, which was very positive. And Macquarie still is saying that the present price of Pilbara is factoring in an 80% decline in the lithium price, which remarkably is about the only thing that is holding up at the moment, although it's not the most transparent of markets. So that makes it a little bit hard to look at sometimes. It's a little bit opaque with the amount of different lithium grades, products, etc. So it makes it a bit more complicated. Uh, just also last night, some interesting quantum computing. If anyone's interested in that, a link in the newsletter today to an interview I saw on Sky News as one member sent me some uh, details of that and a very smart lady, Professor Michelle Simmons, talking about 
about quantum computing. Of course, Archer Materials is one that we have talked about extensively in the past, which has involved also quantum computing. And uh, just some commentary, I guess, on the falling oil price, which is something that we have talked about a lot. And the fact that we are seeing the US market improving as the oil price goes down, which does take some pressure off gasoline prices in the US, which are now sub five bucks a gallon, which is at least something uh, that Joe Biden can point to. So some positives out there, but it's still a hard grind. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. And Marcus, what have you got for us today? Morning, Ben. I have a few quick points out of the strategy section today. First is just a look at the bond markets, and you'll see a chart in there which shows you US two and 10-year bond yields, how they inverted about 10 years ago very briefly and have since come off. The point is bond yields are falling, and it is clear that 10 days ago, we went probably with the FOMC commentary, we went from worrying about inflation to worrying about growth. And the whole of the strategy section today is that finally the economic cycle is emerging after two unpredictable years of abrupt pandemic and post-pandemic swings in market drivers, where you really could call the bottom or call the top when you saw it happen. But if we're going to go back to now worrying about the economic cycle, and that has emerged out of these really rather volatile couple of years, if that is now our major driver, then uh, the market's back to normal and we, we have sobered up the kings with no clothes, all those technology stocks and lithium stocks are revealed. And for experienced long-term investors, this should be a bit of relief. We're back to assessing stocks on fundamentals. And you see the Goldman's research today pointing out those stocks you've listed of companies that are trading at a significant discount to their five-year average PE. When big brokers start trying to get commission out of talking fundamentals, uh, you realize we are back to normal. And that prompts us to start doing the same thing, which is starting to look at companies. As you'll see, both your ideas of the day, we've started to look at return on equity and earnings and PEs and that sort of thing. So uh, this is quite good for any uh, long-time investor. Should be quite relieved that we're back into trading the cycle. And of course, the problem with that is that the cycle's going down, not up at the moment. And it has become ever more clear that that is going to be the case for some months, if not year as Powell has perpetuated the growth fears this week and overnight, driving another nail into the cycle's coffin, saying the Federal Reserve's commitment to rein in inflation is unconditional. And that is the message of the week, that the Fed is prioritizing the containment of inflation over economic growth. And that is going to cause a growth slowdown. And the interesting part about that is that if it happens to cause a recession, so be it, their priority is clearly inflation. So uh, we can be slightly uh, subdued for, by, the, by the cycle. Or the, the point is, there's no real reason to get too bullish at the, at the moment. If we go back to watching the cycle after two volatile post-pandemic or pandemic years, if we're going to watch the cycle, then it's going to be slow moving stuff, in which case we are back to looking at fundamentals and don't expect any sudden bottoming, no bottom out of the blue. I can see it. I can see the technology 
technology stocks getting oversold and sentiment changing, you probably first pick that up. When you see Bitcoin up 17% in a night, you might start to look at a sentiment change in technology stocks. And that might be an opportunity trading those sort of stocks. But I think for the market as a whole, there's no Goldilocks outcome here. There is going to be no sudden bottoming for the next month or year. Uh, we're going to see higher rates of focus on containing inflation, inevitable slowing in growth. So we could be in this funk for a while. And the best we can do for now is time the bottom of the cycle. And that is that's not going to come suddenly. So the market always looks six months ahead. It always anticipates the cyclical low. So we'll just keep taking our cues from the bond market, which is always a bit smarter than the equity market when it comes to macro drivers. Uh, we'll take our cues from the bond market uh, and then from the equity market trend. For, for members, all they need to do is keep reading markets today because we'll continuously debate when the bottom of the cycle has, is coming or has come. I've also written today just about an X factor, which is is as the cycle rolls through and this pandemic legacy supply chain issues are worked through, the only X factor I think could suddenly change the trend in the market is the end of the Russian conflict, uh, which would kill energy prices, dramatically reduce the inflation risk and possibly turn the interest rate trend. So that possibility hovers. Uh, what do you do about that? Same thing you do with anything that's unknown. You don't hedge it. You don't position for it. You don't predict the timing of it. You don't even wait for it. You just assume it's not going to happen. When it happens, you react to it. So react, don't predict. What I wouldn't be doing is opening a margin lending account and buying a load of energy stocks. So you don't position yourself hard against it. It is a possibility, but uh, let's not worry about it. But it is an X factor, I think, that is realistic and is hanging about. Uh, we've, in the last week or so, reduced some of our energy exposures. And you'll see why. Look at the chart in the strategy section. The energy sector has broken trend, broken down. And that's a bit of a warning sign. You're not going to time these things on fundamentals. The best we can do is respect the loss of trend. Very nice. Thank you, Marcus. And our question of the day today, inspired by the addition of the Padley family dogs into the office, is if you're a dog, what dog would you be? Can we pick the dogs for the other staff members or we have to pick our own? I think we'd pick our own so no <laughs> oh, one gets their feelings hurt. But <laughs> considering what Tom's answer was when he was asked if, what he'd be if he was a car, I'm guessing he's going to say some sort of designer, $20,000 kind of dog, very sought after. Oh, no, that's not what I was going for. Well, my family have always been into staffies, so I think I'd have to be a staffie. But if my other choice would be a German Shepherd, so one of those two. I'll jump in here because my answer is staffie, and I think I've got a much better claim on staffie. You do. You. Can I? I'll go German Shepherd yeah, then. You can sorted. Be German Shepherd, sorted. I'm staffie because not not overly large, but pretty dense. Yes. <laughs> they, they do say that dogs look like their owners. That's it. Well, I was just going purely on aesthetics. I wasn't yeah. really going for anything else. Henry, what dog would you be? Well, I've had three of these. So my dog of choice is Bearded Collie, which is a Scottish cattle dog. And we've had three in the family. We are now ex-dog, which is kind of nice, but they are a bit like an old English sheepdog. They have a tail and they're a lot smarter, but they do have their issues. They're a bit neurotic at times, a bit like me. Very nice, Chris. Thank you, Ben. It must be said, I don't have a great knowledge of dog breeds. So Henry pointed me in the direction of the Irish Wolfhound because it is big and it is Irish, which is what <laughs> I am. But then when I read further, it says sweet tempered, thoughtful, dignified, patient, generous and loyal. And I'm none of those things. So uh, I'll go with big and Irish. You're certainly big and Irish. Maybe that's an aspirational dog for you, Chris. <laughs> we can only hope. I think I would have to be two personas. So I'd have two dogs. I'd be a massive rock violin that would just sit in the corner and watch everything going on. 
and if anyone did anything stupid, I just wring its neck and throw it out. That checks out. Yep. And in retirement, I want to be a Labrador, which sleeps for 23 hours, then rests for an hour. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, we can hope one day. Not crossing fingers with that comment. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird way to finish the week, but it's what we've done. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye.